Okay, another edition, Greg, of the Penn State Blitz podcast. Don't adjust your ears if you're listening to me. I am a little froggy. It was a rough weekend there in uh, where were we again? East Lansing. East Lansing. But we're going to press. We're going to press on. Greg, Penn State's eight zero. Number two. Number two bye week for them. Their second bye week. We're going to talk about maybe what they need to do to get better for the home stretch. We're also going to look at their defense now without Antonio Shelton. He's not going to play against Minnesota because of a suspension. We're going to talk about the key to a strong November. They got Minnesota, who's unbeaten. And chances are Ohio State's going to be unbeaten as well when they see them. And then we're going to get to, as always, the Penn State mailbag. So why don't you lead us off with Penn State's bye week plan. What to you, Greg, jumps out as what they need to fix? And do you think they're actually going to enjoy this bye week? Yeah, I think they almost have to. I think James Franklin has to say, look, we had some guys banged up at Michigan State and throughout this uh, unbeaten start. He mentioned a couple times now this season that the first bye week was not really a bye week because they played on Friday night, so it was kind of compromised because they had to be back to practice one day earlier than normal to stay on their normal routine before that Maryland game. So the guys didn't get as much downtime or chances to go home as they usually do. This time around, they get that chance. So the coaches are going to hit the road recruiting. They'll be out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday before coming back for Sunday practice ahead of the Gophers. To me, Bob, I think the biggest thing at this point is just health and getting everyone as close to 100% as you possibly can be after playing Iowa, Michigan, and Michigan State and heading into the final month of the season. To me, it just, there's, yeah, are there scheme things you can scout? Sure. And are there some extra things you can do to get ready for Minnesota? Yeah. But the thing that's going to matter most moving forward is how healthy some of these guys are and whether some of the the bumps and bruises can be cleaned up before they hit this stretch that starts in uh, Minneapolis. You mentioned team health. Noah Kane didn't finish the game. Corner John Reed didn't finish the game. Another corner, Trent Gordon, didn't finish the game. And James has said he doesn't think they're going to be long-term injuries. I'm not sure what that means with Minnesota, you know, a little bit more than a week away. But as you assess the, the most potentially damaging injury, would you say it's Reed or would it be Noah Kane? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question to consider because I think Reed is their best cornerback a lot of the time. Yeah. But, and they have depth at post positions, right? So Marquise Wilson comes in, gets his first interception. <clears throat> I think you worry a little bit more about Kane just because if the game is close as the odds makers expect it to be, then you're going to probably be in a situation where you need yeah. to run the ball in the fourth quarter. Now, we did see Journey Brown come in and get that done for Penn State to close things out at Michigan State. But I think this offense is at its best when Noah Kane is on the field. We've talked about that a lot. I think the defense can still be at its best, uh, or close to it at least, when John Reed's not on the field. Obviously, he's a key part of the defense that they'll miss, but they've recruited so well there that if you took the jersey numbers off of Reed and Tariq, uh, Tariq Castro-Fields and Trent Gordon and Marquise Wilson and Keaton mm-hmm. Ellis, I think in a lot of instances you won't know the difference between those guys. Reed obviously is a little bit further along technique and fundamental-wise, but the other guys can do a lot of the things that he can do. I'm not sure the other Penn State running backs can quite mimic what Noah Kane's able to do. So for me, it's mm-hmm. Kane. On the road, you want to be able to force the ball um, you know, down a defense's throat. He's the guy that can do that. Probably better than the rest, so to me it's him. Finally get to start. Two yeah, consecutive series, six carries, 21 yards. We didn't really realize he was hurt until we saw him trying to come out of the locker room, and he was he was limping pretty badly. I think it's an ankle. Definitely an, inju- uh, an injury to watch. Uh, let's talk about a suspension to watch. 
uh, late news coming out of Penn State practice this week. Antonio Shelton will not play against Minnesota. James Franklin suspended him for one game for his actions in the uh, the win over Michigan State in the fourth quarter. He was ejected for unsportsmanlike conduct. Turns out he spat in the direction of a Michigan State player. Don't know if it landed, but James was very upset in the postgame press conference. Penn State was really uncharacteristically getting flagged for uh, 15-yard penalties, kind of taunting, stuff like that. He was upset. We weren't sure why he was so upset. Now we know Shelton's not going to play. The Big Ten issues a public reprimand. I think had James not stepped in, maybe the Big Ten would have stepped in. But just the loss of Shelton, how big of a deal is it to you? Yeah, it hurts. There's no doubt about it. And I think that's part of the reason Franklin was so upset because he knew this was what he needed to do. Uh, You know, you just can't. uh, I think Antonio Shelton's a really upstanding kid. We've seen all the stuff he does off the field and everything like that. And I don't think it's a reflection of his character that he spat in the direction of a Michigan State player. But, you know, it's one of those things just like throwing a punch where, mm-hmm. you know, you just can't even and he and Franklin seemed to imply that Michigan State was doing some things that may have provoked everything that was going on with Penn State and the penalties. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll never know. But it's just something you can't let fly. You can't let it seem like you're taking it lightly or easily. So uh, it's a big loss, though. I mean, this is a, a Minnesota team that everyone talks about their receivers, but they have some pretty good offensive yeah. linemen, and they can run the football, too. And to be without Shelton, I think, is going to be damaging. But, you know, Robert Windsor now is going to see even more, probably, you know, double teams and things like that, you would assume, which... Yeah. Uh, it means P.J. Mustafer is a guy they've raved about. He's going to have to step up now. So if he can do that, they'll be quite okay. But um, it's a big spot for the talented sophomore. Yeah, and you just wonder, those guys can't play. Against Michigan, they were on the field for 80 snaps. Right. If, if Minnesota runs 70 plays, they can't run them both out there for 70 plays. So who's going to come in the game? Judge Culpepper is a guy. After that, it gets a little murky. I mean, Damian Barber was supposed to be part of the rotation. We just really haven't seen him. Fred Hansard, I think, is a guy that's definitely going to have to to step up. Antonio Shelton doesn't have flashy numbers, but typically interior linemen don't. So uh, that doesn't mean he is not not invaluable to the Penn State defense. So I, I just you just worry about maybe attrition in the second half of that game. They have a chance to get some players ready to play, but are they good enough to give the the, the quality of play that Shelton did? I'm not sure. This could be a, a bigger injury, I think, that people realize. Do you think that this could be a, a chance for Brent Pry to do more, especially with Jason Oway coming on the last couple of weeks, move Etor yeah. inside and take some of the reps that way? Yeah, it just depends on kind of how Minnesota wants to play the game. If they come out in two tight ends and try to run it down their throat, I think that could hurt Penn State. They also have some big receivers on the outside, and I'm thinking about the loss of Reed as well. Um, I think this is a tricky matchup if they're shorthanded. If there's no Noah Kane, no John Reed, no Shelton on the road. Again, uh, this is a tough spot for Penn State. I think they really have the work cut out for them. Uh, but that's what November is all about, and that's kind of the, the third down segment we want to get to. Look, Rutgers isn't going to be much of a challenge. Indiana is much better, so that might be a, a tougher game than people realize. But what are the keys in your mind to kind of run the gauntlet you know, you beat. We went at Minnesota. You beat Rutgers. You beat Indiana. You get to the point where you get to play at Ohio State for all the marbles. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think what jumps out to me, number one, is don't undo all the good things you did in October, and that would be closing out games. Right. That would be finding a way to win despite you know first half adversity or second half adversity. That would be you know 
a sudden stop of being able to take what the defense gives Penn State, especially early in games when they're able to build these 21, 28 point leads and sort of give the defense a lot of wiggle room to play with. I think that's the thing that jumps out first. And then from there, you know, obviously it's all about not changing from the way James Franklin goes about business, which I don't think this team will, but it's always something you get concerned with. You get through this tough three game stretch and is there a bit of a letdown? I don't think there will be because no, for two reasons. One, we haven't really seen one of those in the James Franklin era, but two, they have the bye week to get all that juice out right. of their system. So it comes at a good time. But yeah, to me, those are the two the two biggest things. And of course, beat the teams you're supposed to beat. So I think yeah, obviously you were right and I was wrong about this Minnesota team uh, back in August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at any rate, Penn State's still a, a four to five point favorite as we sit here a mm-hmm. week before the matchup. We can change. So um, I do believe that you have to win that game. And of course, Indiana, you got to take care of business too. I believe they're bowl eligible now. So they are a little bit better than than what most thought they would be. But yeah, it's all about getting to that Ohio State game, of course, as healthy as you can. And without missing any players, you know, Penn State's been fortunate to be on the right side of some targeting reversals, right. but yes. they've probably put themselves, I would have to think they put themselves, Bob, among the top teams in the country in terms of being put in that situation. You're always one play away if you're tackling high from losing a guy for a half, and it's not something you can do in the final stretch of the season. One thing I think that they definitely need to get better at, as good as their special teams have been, their kicking specialist, Jordan Stout, and now Blake Gillikin, who is just pl- performing at an All-Big Ten, first-team All-Big Ten level. The last three games, he's been a huge difference maker. The penalties on the returns, Greg. Kickoff return by K.J. Hamler against uh, Michigan, 100 yards, wiped out. He had a punt return, 50-yarder, against Michigan State, uh, wiped out by, I believe, a running into the kicker. I think it was Jesse Lucada. There have been a lot of penalties on returns, and the special teams have been a weapon, but if they can clean that up and get some big plays out of that unit, they're going to be tough to beat. So how big of a deal is that in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt about it because Joe Lurie came here, replaced Phil Galliano, by all measurables, um, has totally transformed the special teams, and bringing in Jordan Stout certainly helped. Getting Blake Gillick into a more consistent place has obviously been crucial. And they seem to have um, a little bit more structure in terms of how they go about both blocking for returns and covering them. It doesn't hurt either that Joe Lorig has found maybe two of the best gunners in the country in Dan Chisena and Drew Hartlob. Chisena recovers a fumble that sets up an easy Penn State score. Hartlob downs that ball at the Mm -hmm. one-yard line and almost down the one about, you know, two or three punts prior, you almost down that one at the one-yard line. He was about an inch from not touching the goal line and putting that one down at the one, too. So, um, he's found the right pieces and put him in the right place, and I think that you're right. This can only be more of a weapon, and it's one that when you look at the rest of the college football playoff contenders right now, Bob, and not all of them have that special teams component that Penn State does, and it can be even better if they give up the penalties that are costing them points. Okay, we're three downs in here on the Penn State Blitz podcast and video. We're multifaceted. It's time to get to the Penn State mailbag, and it's an off week for Penn State. And you're telling me you have no Penn State predictions, or I mean other other than Penn State. So do you have any questions for me? Yeah, let's start out first with the, you led into it, but you can listen to the Penn State Blitz podcast. We did almost forget about it, but we pulled the nose up at the end and we're going to make a safe landing. Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your audio, Google, uh, Spotify, like, rate, subscribe, give us some feedback, let us know 
what you think of the episode so far. If you're watching the videos, it's youtube.com slash State. You can subscribe to that channel as well. Bob, let's move into the questions. The first one I have for you is, when you look at the weekend of games here, you know, college game day folks had a very interesting uh, selection. Next week is pretty cut and dry. It's yeah. either Penn State, Minnesota, or Alabama, LSU. Do you think game day, is there any chance game day ends up at Minnesota? And beyond that, do you, are you worried at all about the 11 a.m. local start for Penn State? I think it's got to be LSU, Alabama, don't yeah. you? Yep. I mean, I understand what that, you know, I think the Penn State game is normally deserving of game day's audience, but... I think the the world's going to be really watching. Right, college football world's going to watch it. LSU, Alabama. Except for us, we'll be in the locker room getting some comments from Penn State at kickoff. Uh, right. As far as the eleven o'clock start, sure, it's going to be tricky. I think that both teams, Minnesota, has the advantage, but I think that Penn State. I don't know if there's any way you could prepare for that, but I would expect that Penn State might start a little bit slow. Fortunately, their defense has only allowed three points in the first quarter, but I would expect a low-scoring first quarter. Yeah, I would too, and I think. You know, Penn State does keep things pretty routine, which helps um, compared to how they've done things in the past. I think there's a obvious benefit to that. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not ideal. But I also think that if you look back over James Franklin's track record, he's won. He's had his teams ready to start quick at all different start times. So I think you have to keep that in mind. Any Breeders' Cup picks, Bob? Any, do you get that far along yet? Yeah, I, that, I, that I jumped the gun. That was going to be mailbag question for you. Well, I like the Air Force – uh, Air Force Army under. So there you go. There's one pick for you for the weekend. Breeders' Cup, classic. I'm against McKinsey. There you go. I, we should probably explain the Breeders' Cup is like the ultimate horse racing weekend. Right. We are the ultimate horse racing degenerate gamblers. I know. And the NCAA um, and the Big Ten looked out for us with this bye week. I can tell you that. So in the classic, I like three horses. I like uh, Vino Rosso mm-hmm. is one. Uh, I think Yoshida is okay. a now that, Japanese horse. Yeah. Now that Baffert tossed Mike Smith off McKenzie. There might be a little there might be a little uh, mojo or karma at work there. And I think there's a horse called Higher Power. I'm a little bit interested in it as well, but I'm against the chalk. I know you are as well. What are you thinking as far yeah, as Yeah, I'm Vino Rosso all the way, so we might be aligned there. We'll see. But I, I like to say Vino Rosso. Yeah. Rosso, Rosso, whatever. All right, one more Penn State question before we move on to either again, depending on where you're watching. The second video, youtube.com slash all Penn State, or the second half of the Penn State Blitz podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your audio. Bob, what surprises you more? And I know, I think I know the answer to this, but that Sean Clifford is among the statistical leaders in the Big Ten at the quarterback position, or that Minnesota's 8 0? Ooh. Uh, a slight lean to Minnesota beat an 8 0. I thought they would be good. I didn't think they'd be 8 0. I thought Nebraska would probably beat them. Nebraska is definitely down this year. I think one of the surprises in the Big Ten. I just remember at the beginning of the year, Sean Clifford was getting ranked like 10th yeah. in the quarterback uh, projection right. among Big Ten quarterbacks, and we talked about it. And I think I said it'll be a, a lot closer to one than it will be to 14. Uh, he, I think he's exceeded expectations, um, but he is playing out of his mind. He clearly enjoys the moment. He's a guy that relishes the fourth quarter. I'm really, really excited to see what he's going to do at Minnesota because I think that'll be a game and definitely at Ohio State. Kudos to him, and I think this goes back to the spring, and I think Tommy made the right decision to leave Penn State for Mississippi State because I think I think Sean would have been tough to hold off. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, that's four downs in the books. We're moving on to the second half of the podcast after this break. Stay tuned for more.
Okay, Greg Pickle, Bob Flounders here on the Penn State Blitz podcast. We've got to talk a little bit more, a first look here at the unbeaten clash between the Minnesota Golden Gophers, Goldie the Gopher, and the Penn State Nittany Lions. It's still a little, a few days away, Greg, but it's never too early to talk about a game of this magnitude. Yeah, this is an exciting week, isn't it, Bob? I mean, we get to this point of the season, November, uh, I think... It, I had would have had Penn State. I think at either six and two or seven and one this week, depending on which outlet I gave my prediction to, compared to what I posted here at Penn Live. Flip so, flopper. I am a flip flopper, but that's okay. I'll take it. I'll take whatever ends up being a better record at the end of the year. But at any rate, good start to the season, obviously for both of these teams. James Franklin saying Tuesday night during the bye week that he has, seems to have a pretty good familiarity with PJ Fleck. He said that Fleck came and visited. Franklin's Vanderbilt program uh, back when Fleck was still I believe at Western Michigan so he knows a little bit about the way James and his staff operate James has said that Matt Limegrover the former Minnesota coach is not uh, it's too, there's been too much change there for him to have much of an impact on what Minnesota is going to do game planning wise of course he was there before being hired by Penn State so uh, to me Bob this game comes down to Penn State going on the road and starting fast again and finding a way to obviously limit Minnesota's receivers and take advantage of what they can in the passing game. We've seen some teams keep games close with Minnesota that maybe you won't expect so far this season, but to their credit, they found a way to win just like Penn State has. Yeah, they opened up with a a narrow win at home against an FCS school, South Dakota State. Yeah, which may be their best win of the season. And then they went to overtime at Fresno State, and so people were thinking, well, this team is the same old Minnesota Got some patsies early, but they got momentum as the season went on. They thumped Nebraska. They haven't really played a lot of great Big Ten teams, but they have won impressively. They also uh, finished last year, I think, very well. They beat Wisconsin late last year. They won their bowl game against Georgia Tech. Before we we can talk a little bit more, I think, about uh, specifics of Minnesota, you know, in the coming days. But let's just talk about some early storylines. Penn State's going to be shorthanded is one. The 11 a.m. start is yep. another. Um, and just to just to kick it off, is it me or do you see some similarities between PJ Fleck and James Franklin? Yeah, I mean they have very similar approaches in terms of in terms of positive yeah. energy, in terms of surrounding themselves with really good coordinators and coaches that can sort of handle their side of the ball. PJ Fleck is a tremendous recruiter, just like James right. Franklin is. I mean. They have a lot. It's not surprising to me to hear James say that Fleck sought him out to visit uh, Franklin and the Vanderbilt program because I think they have a lot of the same philosophical ideas. I think they approach the game and coaching it and mentoring uh, college student-athletes in a similar way. So, um, yeah, I I think that they have a lot in common, which makes this fascinating because they'll probably be thinking a lot alike on game day. But um, in terms of the shorthandedness, you know, Franklin's sort of uh, veered from his usual path. He was asked Tuesday, number one, he said more after the game about right. injuries than we ever never hear him does. Say. Yeah, he said that, you know, he ex- didn't think they'd be long term. He's asked about it on Tuesday, says something to the effect of basically what I told you guys in East Lansing is what it, the expectations are now. Right. So we'll see. He could also be playing the reverse mind game and letting Minnesota think those guys are going to be active and that maybe they won't be. I don't know. We're not going to know anything more than we do now until it's clear at this point that they're not season ending injuries, which is all he talks about. So we're not going to know anything more until we get to Minneapolis Saturday morning and get a lay of the land for who's warming up and who's not. But um, I think that Penn State, you know, I'll be interested to see what your matchup predictions are next week. Cause I think Penn State has some 
areas where they have the advantage, but this might be a bit of an underrated Minnesota offense that has some very good receivers. Um, when you talk about the spread, um, in your mind, what do you think it will open at? I know that I think there's been some lines somewhere. Yeah. I thought I, I thought you know after Penn State won at Michigan State, it would be right around a touchdown, and it might be there at kickoff. Uh, but now that Penn State does have, have they lose Shelton, Antonio yep. Shelton suspended the nose tackle. He won't play. They they could be without John Reed. They could be without Noah Kane. Um, split it down the middle. Say no Shelton, but Kane and and Reed are available. In your mind, what does this what does this line look like to you? So the initial reaction when we saw that FanDuel had posted four and a half for Penn State, Penn State a four and a half point right. favorite, was that the initial reaction from a lot of people on social media was how can I deposit money in the FanDuel to bet that because I think. There's a lot of Penn State fans who thought that this game would be a touchdown, at least. So to get that low of a number seems like a good bet. Whenever the odds makers put a number lower than you expect, and everybody wants to bet it, that usually tells me to go the other way. Mm. I haven't decided what the pick will be for that game yet, but it almost feels has that slam dunk feeling to it that you don't really love if you're trying to back the favorite. So we'll see. I mean, four and a half, five sounds right. I can honestly see money pushing it up to close to a touchdown. If it gets to seven, I don't think that number will last long. I just think there's too many people that don't want to buy Minnesota mm. at seven. But Penn State's done nothing yet this year to suggest it can't win this game by a touchdown or more. But you're right. The the uncertainty of some members of the roster and the certainty of having no Antonio Shelton and putting extra stress on that defensive line um, is definitely going to be something to monitor as we get closer to kickoff. Okay, Greg, let's wrap this up as, as we uh... – we talk about Penn State on the bye week with Minnesota here. Um, 11 a.m. start. I'm just going to ask you very directly, is this going to influence your Friday night plans in Minneapolis? Oh, yeah. You haven't really had a chance to go there. It's kind of a fun town. You're probably – because w- the way that Joe Hermit travels, we're probably going to have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go to this game because he's an early bird. Is this going to limit what you want to do on Friday night? No, I m- might a little bit, but I think we'll play that by ear. I will say that there's a, a public transportation seems to be very good in Minnesota. So there's a couple different ways to get to the stadium, which may be investigated. But yeah, I, I think it seems like from what I've been able to gather so far, Bob, it seems like there's going to be a lot of Penn State fans who will be partying uh, Friday night. It in is Minnesota, a great city. It then, is fantastic. Um, you know, James Franklin talked a few weeks ago about wanting, I think this was after the Iowa game, wanting it, wanting Penn State to get to a point where they take over more and more road stadiums. I don't know if this will, that will be the case this week, but I feel like if you're a Penn State fan, and let us know if you're out there by liking, rating, and subscribing to the Penn State Blitz podcast. Smooth. Yeah, very smooth. Very yeah, smooth. you can tell us on YouTube in the comments too, youtube.com slash Stake. Seems like if you were going to circle a game to go to, this would be the one, because Penn State doesn't make it to Minneapolis much. It has uh, good reviews as a place to travel to. So, yeah, I think Penn State should be well-represented. We will be well-represented at dinner Friday night and then well-represented in the stadium Saturday morning, TCF Bank Stadium. Maybe snowing, maybe not. You never know. I mean, I'll give you 1A on the list, but I'm pretty sure Ohio State's a little bit higher on the Penn State fan bases. True. Uh, Well, if you're going to go to two games or if you didn't want to spend $500 for tickets at Ohio State, you know. It seems like a good plan B if you didn't want to go to Columbus. All right, that's it for this edition of This Week in Penn State Football, and we will have much more on this clash of unbeatens next week. 